Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 10th, I believe. 11th, maybe, 10th. Uh, no, it's tenth. the 10th. You were tenth. right the first time. Bit, <laughs> of, bit of confidence there, Giselle. <laughs> no, none. None whatsoever, <laughs> Pierre. Um, the 10th of July, you're listening to uh, 3CR Community Radio. This is Asia Pacific Currents. Not sure if I said all of those details twice or thrice. I apologise if it was jarring to the listeners. But I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morris. Sorry, I was just I got just got caught on the lead of the headphones, and uh, you, the listeners didn't even notice. You could have sailed on through that one, Pierre. No one would have known. We like honesty, Giselle. Oh, uh, at, least, so? at, at least, I agree. One of us, Don't one lie of to us. the workers. That is my motto, of course. Yes, agreed. That's, that's right. And of course, um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links, and. Um, Giselle is actually changing the chairs, so she can't actually... Oh, it's say. just a mess in here this <laughs> morning, is, listeners. That's right. The show is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms because we continue to share news and information about the labour movements across the Asia-Pacific. That's right. And, uh, of course, thanks to any for another very interesting... Uh, a program from So That It Breakfast and uh, interesting to hear about that uh, dispute uh, at the docks, MUA. Obviously, dock workers are some of the most globalised industries in, in the world. So uh, it'll be certainly interesting to see how that develops. And of course, uh, thanks everyone for their radius and donation. I think we've almost reached the target. So if you haven't quite uh, donated yet don't worry you can still donate we always accept your dollars so uh, but if you've pledged and haven't donated please um, pay up so thanks for that and um, you can go on the website and actually on the uh, for all you listening on the podcast um, I've put the link in it for the last few weeks and I'll put it again this week so even if you're um, in the back of uh, beyond in the in the um, let's see where I can I put in some rural areas in the uh, deepest India or in deepest Kazakhstan, you can certainly still donate. And for those of you in Australia, um, right across the country, if you do pledge to or donate rather to our Radiothon, it, any donation over $2 is a tax deduction. You obviously will have missed the um, the last financial year's cutoff date, which was the 30th of June, but it doesn't mean it's not tax deductible. It just means it'll go to next year's taxes. That's right. That's right. And now on today's uh, program, we have to uh, admit, because we like to be honest, Giselle. Oh, you, you frame it in such negative terms. Here's another way to do it. Ready, Pierre? So on today's program, Pierre, we're going we're gonna to do some in-depth coverage of of the uh, news from around the region. You'll you'll hear the news and then a little bit of commentary. Obviously, this week we're not bringing you a feature interview, um, but you but you won't miss out on any information from the Asia-Pacific region. That's a way to do it, as opposed to the way you were about to do it, which was this week, listeners, Giselle failed to secure an interview. So unfortunately, you're going to have to listen to us rabbit on a little bit extra this week. 
Well, that's that's interesting, Giselle. I could have done it a third way, but uh, you know, we'll we'll leave it at that. Yes, yes. All right. I, I did actually like the first one was uh, was very good, but uh, oh, thank you for the assessment. That's right. Well, we you know we're always uh, we're that constant quality improvement. Yeah. <laughs> the um, now we'll get to the news, and unfortunately, folks, listeners, the first news was actually going to be bad, um, but overnight it's actually become terrible. Um, because we go to Bangladesh, and so I started. I wrote this um, uh, yesterday on Friday, and the news. Um, and so I'll actually just read it as um, I wrote it, and I'll give them the update of what has happened overnight. So basically, there was a Bangladesh um, uh, factory fire on uh, late on Thursday, the eighth of July, where a fire broke out at the Hashem Food and Beverage Factor in Rupganji an industrial town around 25 kilometres east of the capital, Dhaka. The, um, the fire was uh, still ongoing on, on Friday in the six-storey building, making a full assessment of this disaster still unclear. Nevertheless, early reports were saying that three workers had been killed, another 30 were injured, um, though a um, sweep of the building had not been done yet. Now, witnesses also reported that a number of workers had jumped from the windows in a desperate attempt to escape the fire, uh, although 25 workers were actually rescued by firefighters um, from the roof, which is fantastic um, uh, news. And um, while obviously we don't know um, how the fire happened, the, the reality is that in Bangladesh, um, fires at factories are very common, usually because fire regulations are not have not been followed. What we now know is that after the first sweep of the factory, at least 52 workers have been killed. It's it's so alarming, and and when you're looking at numbers in the the tens and then hundreds, I mean sometimes it's easy not to compute because of course Rana Plaza, we saw more than a thousand one hundred workers killed um, in that uh, in in that building. I was gonna I was gonna share Pierre when I first started doing um, activism in the Asia Pacific region and heard reports of of that number of people dying. I was like, you know, how do how do activists go on every day when there is, you know, do, do they desensitise themselves to these numbers, etc.? And I think it's important to say that that no, the our comrades and the workers, their families, etc., aren't desensitised, but they are traumatised, mm-hmm. you know. And so we we have generation upon generation of workers in some of these countries in in the most in the poorest part of these countries just in a state of permanent trauma that is a, a key reason that we need to organize against this way of running the economy and ultimately smashing and destroying this um, way of organizing the economy that's right yes yes I think you you hit it on the on the head and uh um, other news um, that I've actually just read uh, recently about this, that not surprisingly, uh, it seems that the story, there was the storage of chemicals, uh, equipment and storage of fertilising goods and food all together without any separation. And 
already it seems that one of the uh, quite a few of the fire doors were actually locked. Yeah, and that is a common story. So I would uh, assume, and not wanting to vicariously uh, affect, impact, traumatize our listeners, but often when those sweeps of the factories, once the fire is put out, will reveal that a lot of those workers are are trying to escape at the doors. In fact, their bodies are charred uh, at the the doorways because they're, they're desperately trying to exit. And I know that the next story is um, from Thailand, another factory explosion. And I just want to say, I remember many, many, many years ago, it must be over 20 years ago when there was the, I think it was called the Kada Toy Factory Fire in Bangkok where over 200 died and it was exactly that. They were all locked in. Yeah. So, as you said, we are going to Thailand now where a massive factory explosion has really shocked and rocked the people of Bangkok. Uh, On Monday of this week, a foam and plastic pellet manufacturing factory on the outskirts of Bangkok exploded and ignited a large fire. One worker and one firefighter were killed. More than 60 workers are injured. Scores of nearby houses have been damaged and people living within five kilometre radius have been evacuated due to the dangers of the chemicals being released. The death toll at the factory could have been much higher, but the incident occurred at three o'clock in the morning when the workforce was at its lowest. But, But not nothing. Many people are being treated for styrene gas poison, a dangerous neurotoxin, while there are health concerns over thousands of litres of chemicals that have leaked into the surrounding area. No information has been released as to what may have caused this explosion and fire. But uh, I think it would go without saying that the health and safety precautions in that factory were probably not at world standard. World standard not being... um, you know, something to aim for or aspire to. No, world standard being the minimum required for the health and safety of human beings with the chemical and biological makeup against the chemicals used in that factory. That's right. And also, um, as that uh, story alluded, it wasn't just the, the workers at the factory. Uh, it's the working class communities now affected all, all around there. And of course, um, the next story um, is from uh, Sri Lanka. And um, it, it's interesting, we're talking about, we've talked about two disasters. Well, how do you um, prevent these disasters? It's actually by um, organising labour. But what happens when labour starts to organise? And the next story is really what happens. Um, I, on Thursday of this week, 33 labour activists, the, oh, we're going to Sri Lanka, sorry. 33 Labour activists, including uh, Ceylon Teachers Union Secretary Joseph Stalin, were arrested in uh, Puldawa as they were protesting the introduction of the proposed Kotelawa University Bill. Union and human rights groups have strongly opposed this new bill as um, not only would it pave the way for the privatisation of the higher education sector, which, you know, it's fairly common all around the world, unfortunately, but I think this will be a very Sri Lankan type of uh, edit, but it will also lead to the militarisation of universities as it would place the management of universities under the control of the Ministry of Defence. Um... Now, all the arrested union activists were actually granted bail by the courts on the same day, on the Thursday, but the military nevertheless took all of them away to an undisclosed location for quote-unquote quarantine reasons. So they actually took them away contrary to the court's decision. 
Now, grave fears are, are held especially for the CTU secretary, as Joseph is a Tamil um, with a long history of activism in labour and human rights movement, and we know about the issues of for Tamil people in Sri Lanka. It's 14 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We're going to go to some community announcements and then we're also going to go to a track and we'll be back with the second part of news from around the region. Get your copy of 3CR's magnificent book. It's a stunning history of the people, programs and issues at the station since 1976. On sale now for the amazing price of just $20. Pick one up at the station or jump online and place your order. Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR. On sale now for $20. Down city streets, I would roam. I had no bed. I had no home Crawl out of bushes Early morn Use newspapers To keep me warm Then I'd have to Score a drink Start me up Help me to think Down city streets I would roam Use my fingers as it goes In those days When I was young Drinking and fighting was no fun It was daily living for me I had no choice It was meant to be Down city streets I would go I had no bed I had no home There was nothing that I owned Use my fingers as it goes Now I'm a man, I'm not alone I am married, I have children of my own Now I have something I call my own These are my children And this is my home I look around And understand How street kids feel When they're put down down city streets, I would roam. I had no bed, I had no home. If there was nothing that I 
You're listening to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. That track you were listening to is Archie Roach with Down City Streets. And of course, uh, those of you who are very deeply entrenched in the left community here in uh, Melbourne or also Australia... We'll know that last week was NAIDOC week, um, the National Aboriginal... Um, uh, Advancement... No, no, no. day of... Uh, oh, oh yes. God, this is embarrassing. We'll, we'll get that. We'll, I will remember what it stands for. But um, NAIDOC week both commemorates um, Aboriginal culture but uh, is uh, signifies the continuation of struggle for sovereignty um, and justice. Uh, la- last week, you'll know that 3CR ran its Beyond the Bars broadcast from uh, 11 prisons, um, state-run prisons in Victoria. Um, in order for us to be able to continue to do that, though, we need your ongoing donations for 3CR. So uh, don't forget to pledge and give money to this year's Radiothon. It's not too late to do that. And I actually worked out what it stands yeah, for. Yeah. It, I mean, it's very... It's uh, the National Aborigines and Islanders Day Observance Committee and its origins were in the 1920s. I also wanted to, while we're talking about NAIDOC Week, kind of talk about two particular things. One is that the um, coronial inquest into the death of Ray Thomas was um, ended not last week but the week before, so just before NAIDOC Week. And this was an incident where a man who was um, exiting a car park uh, in an unregistered car uh, was caught up in a police chase. Uh, 21 seconds after the police started chasing him, he was dead. Uh, that uh, ro- that uh, coronial inquest was looking at why uh, an unregistered vehicle or even the use of a mobile phone behind the wheel warranted a police chase, whether there was racism involved in that um, and and. You know, if the penalty for driving unregistered and uh, being on a mobile phone while you're driving, if the penalty for that should be death, which is what happened in Ray Thomas's case. The other thing I wanted to talk about in relation to NAIDOC and to bring to listeners' attention is we've been, um, we have covered a, a few times in the last couple, three years since the founding of the First Nations Workers Alliance, the um, campaign to end the CDP, um, which is a mutual obligation scheme that is racist, is targeted towards Aboriginal people. It is a regional employment scheme. That's an oxymoron. Uh, It basically requires that Aboriginal people in regional and remote areas work for the unemployment benefit. So doing real work for not real wages. Um, uh, The uh, minister 
for Aboriginal people. I don't know exactly the title of that mm. ministry, but Ken Wyatt. Uh, uh, Aboriginal Affairs, I think. No, no, no. it's not. Oh, right. it, it, it's, I promise you it's not because I thought it was that. Um, uh, he, he announced in May a reform to the CDP scheme, which uh, don't be fooled at all. It's almost exactly the same. The only issue is that it doesn't create a compulsory mutual obligation to perform work, but all of the other components being required to take work. And if you don't take work, then you could be cut off. If you leave your job um, you could be cut off. If you fail to meet appointments, you could be cut off and so on. So uh, there has been, so the campaign has been successful in that it has brought moral shame to the government for the CDP, but their response is just as um, escaping of real responsibility as their vaccine rollout has been. Um, that, that- so Go on. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right, and and also the 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 the, the war against unemployed um, workers continues as because um, there's also the issue of the basics card, which I think is actually uh, been trialled in other uh, poorer areas in uh, amongst other communities. Uh, this is right. That's right. Um, yeah, quite uh, quite horrible. But we'll keep uh, fighting on that front as well. It's just twenty two uh, minutes past nine o'clock. Um, um, I think you've got. The next one? I sure do. Um, the next story is from Iran where thousands of oil and gas workers are on strike. We have been announcing this, um, a very, very significant development in that country. A walkout by thousands of temporary and contract oil and petrochemical workers in mid-June to protest against insecure work and low pay has now spread throughout the country and has brought the sector to a virtual standstill. There are an estimated 100,000 workers on strike now in Iran. Over the last 20 years, the energy sector has seen a huge growth of subcontracting companies that have employed new workers on temporary and or casual contracts. Not only do these workers receive only half of the wages of those workers directly employed by the oil ministry on permanent contracts, but those numbers decline each year due to retirements, but they are also denied many social service benefits like hospital cover. This is the second mass strike by these workers in a year and they coordinated their actions nationally via local strike committees. Pretty amazing level of organisation. This industrial action is continuing to receive support from other workers both inside and outside of Iran. I mean, quite um, incredible. And, and I think that story just brings up, you know, the issue of contract and casual and labour hire or, uh, companies. I mean, it's just all around the world. It's just a, a standard pattern. Um, we go to another um, country in our region where the conflict uh, is uh, becoming worse and worse to Myanmar. Uh, opposition to February's military coup in Myanmar continues unabated with civilian protests and armed confrontations between the army and popular defence units now a daily feature across the country. Uh, reports this week have filtered out that a major exchange earlier this week, in a major exchange earlier this week, the military killed at least 25 protesters in the central city of Depayin in the Sargang region. Reports also indicate that the military is now harassing and arresting lawyers who are defending uh, opposition activists in jail, but at the same time, they're allowing families to pay a ransom for the release of their arrested family members, which uh, shows the cause it's never a bad time to make more money. Um, and also, um, um, 
just uh, recently, trade unions have now estimated that since February, more than a million workers have lost their jobs in Myanmar since the military coup, whether through the economic downturn of the coup or being dismissed for political activities. They're, they're huge numbers um, <coughs> that we're talking about, Giselle. And our last story today. Uh, second last. I've got a number seven. Oh, I see. Very good. <laughs> our, our second last story is from Palestine, uh, where Palestinian activists have been killed by Israeli soldiers and uh, there are continuing tensions in that conflict. Amid continued resistance to occupation, Farid uh, Ali Hassan, a 20-year-old Palestinian, was killed on Saturday by Israeli army fire. Farid was shot in the chest while standing on the roof of his home in Kasra, a village encircled by illegal Jewish settlements and settlement outposts. Two other Palestinians were also shot and injured while fending off an attack by Israeli settlers on the village. Their actions were part of ongoing weekly protests that Palestinians are holding against the expansion of Israeli settlements at several locations in the West Bank. Meanwhile, the situation in the Sheikh Jarrah neighbourhood of Jerusalem remains tense with Palestinian families in perpetual threat of forced expulsion by Israeli forces, which have now encircled and blockaded the neighbourhood. These continuing struggles over land and houses and against repression are forging a renewal in Palestinian organisations and fostering a sense of greater unity throughout the lands of Palestine. Also to add um, a development this year in the process of this particular um, set of um, repressive actions, a further 300 um, Palestinians were injured last night. That's right. So um, uh, obviously a um, developing story there as well. So we'll um, try and bring you more news next week about that. And for our last um, story uh, in the last few minutes, um, a new um, report uh, released area early this month, is, which probably not going to be very surprising to our listeners, has found that garment workers in countries like Bangladesh, Cambodia and Indonesia are being driven to work at even greater pace than usual um, under the COVID-19 pandemic and regulations and effects. Um, companies like H&M, um, Nike and Primark are using the COVID uh, pandemic to cancel or cut down orders, thereby pushing down prices. The results um, in the supply chains of the garment industry is that workers are then forced to work longer hours or find that their wages are withheld for long periods of time if paid at all. Now, the report uh, goes on to state that uh, amid this continuing economic recession in many of these countries, our workers are now facing possible situations and are being driven further into poverty and destitution. So, um, again, um, a reason why we need to organise, we need unions and we need independent labour activists. Yes, that's right. But that does bring us to the end of the show, Pierre. It's 29 minutes past nine o'clock. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. Don't forget to donate to 3CR's Radiothon. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. But that's all from me, Giselle Hanna. And me, Pierre Morrow. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.